My wife and I often tell our kids that being trustworthy is of utmost importance. That me being able to trust them in our home will dictate how much responsibility they'll be entrusted with, how much freedom, and in many ways, how much joy they're going to experience while they're living in our home. My daughter just passed her uh, driver's test yesterday, or Friday, to receive her permit. We went on our first test ride today. We've got some work to do, but she, she's, uh, she's well on her way to being a professional driver. However, if I don't trust her behind the wheel, if I can't trust her to, to heed my instruction, she won't be driving much. Can you think of a time where you had to uh, completely trust somebody? When you had to put, put your life in someone else's hands? So much so that in that moment, if they let you down, death was imminent. This may surprise some of you, but if you know me, because we, we live on a farm and I, I grew up in the bush, in the woods. Uh, but it's true, I hate snakes. I can't stand them. As a matter of fact, in my mind, every snake is the enemy. I, I don't think that the Bible describes uh, Satan as a serpent on accident. I think every snake in some way represents uh, Satan to me in my mind. I want them all dead. <laughs> Seven years ago or so, at the pleas of my oldest daughter, we began to uh, work on a tree house. So we went and found the biggest tree we could find, and we were going to build a tree house because she wanted to badly, and I couldn't say no another time. Early in the process, we had accomplished building a deck, imagine, uh, just a big deck around a giant tree. And one, one evening we were out there working on this tree house. When I looked at, up, and at my dismay, a giant snake was slithering down the tree. Well, I looked at my children, and I panicked. My kids flipped out and I went straight into defense mode in an effort to save my life and the life of my children, the lives of my children. In the words of, if any of you know or have seen the movie Guardian of the Glades, the show Guardian of the Glades, one of my heroes is on that show. His name is Wild Man. And in the words of Wild Man, I wasn't only trying to save my family from the serpent, serpent I was saving America, son. I grabbed a board and as the snake slithered down the tree, Picture this, the deck is right here, the snake is slithering down the tree, and his head makes it past the deck. The only thing above the deck where we are is the tail. I grabbed a two by six, the only thing I had, and I jabbed it against the snake. I got the tail, I was about a foot up from the, from the tail of the snake. If you love snakes, you won't like this story. I, I didn't, I, I mean, there, there were other people down below my kids in my mind would never go into this tree house if this snake were to live. I had to do something. So I had the snake by the tail with the two by six. The oldest person around me was my son, who at the time was 10 or 11. So I, I, had one I only had one choice, and it was to trust my son. I said, son, you have to hold this snake with this two by six. Do not let go. So Owen, who 
was about to prove whether or not I could trust him, <laughs> held the two by six in his hand with the snake trapped up against the tree, everyone else flipping out. I ran down below deck where the snake's head was and the snake was doing this, like in my face, snapping at me that's, that head. I mean, it was huge. It's a, if he were to let go of the snake's tail, I, it seemed as if my head would fit in the snake's mouth. He was snapping at me back and forth. I had another board. I was trying to trap the snake's head up against the tree and he was trying to eat me alive. It, and all I could think about was this could end in a similar fashion to Paul, who was bit by the viper. This seemed like a viper. I don't know. But finally, I trapped the two by six against the tree, and the snake didn't live much longer. And my son proved that night, that night to be trustworthy in the moment. And I was very thankful. Well, this week, as I've thought about uh, our text tonight, I've thought about God's faithfulness and his trustworthiness. I found myself asking, do I trust him each day in my life? Am I fully dependent upon him in everything that I do? Am I walking in faith every second of every day, believing that the Lord is my only hope in life and in death? Do I trust his righteous right hand in every season and believe that he is there and he'll never let me go. Do I trust the Lord? Well, the Israelites didn't. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, we have laid out from the Lord a, a, a litany of, of, of different promises. It's, it's a big promise with many parts. And he basically says, hey, if you will, if you will trust me, if you will obey my word, I will bless you. Matter of fact, he says, if you'll faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you. Blessed you'll be in the city, blessed in the fruit of your womb, blessed your basket, your kneading bowl. He says, I will, I will uh, defeat all of your enemies. Your barns will be full. I mean, the Lord would pour out blessing on them if they would simply obey him. If they didn't obey, then there, would, there was a, a promise of cursing for disobedience. If you don't obey the voice of the Lord, he says, or, or if you're not careful to obey all that I command you today, then all these curses shall be upon you. All overtake, they'll overtake you. Cursed you'll be in the city. Uh, your kneading bowl and basket will be cursed. Curses, curses judgment upon judgment would take place. Well, Isaiah lived in Jerusalem and he had a direct and dramatic encounter with God who called him to be a prophet. Many of you will remember this encounter. At the time of Isaiah, we continue to see Israel and Judah abandon her God, disobey the Lord, and turn to idol worship. And God's fed up with it. And Isaiah is sent among other prophets to point out their sin and their disobedience. They've broken God's law. They continue to turn from God and worship other idols and rituals. He warns them that judgment is coming if they do not repent. Judgment is imminent. 
The book progresses with constant warnings of judgment after judgment for their actions, sprinkled with short, encouraging prophecies of hope. One of these that many of you are familiar with spoke of a special child that was to come, described him as far greater than a mere king, as he's called a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Well, with this Messiah King in mind, we come to today's verse in Isaiah chapter 35. I want to start, start in verse 4. It says this. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. The actual verse I was given tonight was verse five. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. However, without looking at the verse above it, we, we, we can't understand what this verse means. It, here's what he's saying. At the end of verse four, with this Messiah King in mind, we read, Behold, your God will come to save you. And then it tells us when. Then. Then. The eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. When the eyes of the blind are opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped, the Lord is saving you. This is when it's going to take place. Well, as we saw in the passage last, last week from Mark chapter 10, Bartimaeus called on Jesus in faith. And what happened? He received his sight. The, blind, the blindness went away and he received sight. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 4, we, we, uh, we would read Jesus himself when asked by messengers of John the Baptist, Hey, are you the one to come, or shall we look for another? So John the Baptist sent messengers with that simple question. Hey, are you the one who we've read about and have been prophesied uh, about in Isaiah and, and throughout the Old Testament, or are we waiting for somebody else? It's a simple question that John's asking Jesus through his messengers. Are you the one prophesied about or do we continue waiting? He answers the question by saying, go and tell John what you hear and see. What have they heard and seen? He goes on to say, the blind receive sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. Jesus is saying, Yes, yes, I am he. Yes, I am the fulfillment of the Old Testament fulfillment. I am the Messiah. I am the king who was to come. I am the one who God promised would come to save you. Then is now, is what Jesus was saying. Behold, your God will come to save you. When? Now. He was saying, believe in me. Trust me. In our sin, 
were blind and lame, destitute of any ability to do what is good. We heard that from Ryan this morning. None does good, no, not one. But in Christ, we are renewed by the Spirit of God. Christ gave many examples of restoring speech to the, to the dumb, sight to the blind, and perfect strength to the feeble and the lame. What he did to their bodies physically was only a small fraction of the far more abundant and incredible blessing which he imparts to our souls. By faith to all those who believe. He has promised, behold your God. He has come to save you. He will open your blind eyes. He has promised he will unstop your deaf ears. He will strengthen your weak knees and make firm your feeble knees. When now to all who are found in him, now to all who believe in repentance and faith and trust in the one who created us, sustains us, and has sent his son to save us the trustworthy one, our promise-keeping God. This is our hope. Christ is our salvation today for all who are trusting him. Yet, our great God, he's not finished. During this season, this Advent season that we're in right now, as we await the second coming of Jesus and we meditate upon this, we're waiting on the final fulfillment of this promise in Isaiah 35. And we see this described in Revelation 21 when we see a time where we will dwell with God and he will wipe away every tear from our eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things will have passed away. A time when there will be no more blind eyes There will be no more deaf ears. There will be no more weak hands or feeble knees. For all who believe, all of us who have tested, who have tasted his salvation, the salvation of the Lord and seen that it is good, who have been transformed by the Spirit of God, this time is coming. Y'all, God is trustworthy. He has kept his word and he will continue to keep his word. He desires that we obey him every day with all of our being. He desires that we trust him completely and fully as we hope and as we trust and as we wait on this great promise of his, his second coming. May we be constantly reminded that he is trustworthy. He will keep his promises. We will one day see him face to face. Let's pray. Father, we know there's no good in us. We see it in our own lives. Lord, we know that there's nothing but good in you. 
Lord, we break our trust. You're completely trustworthy. Father, cause us to obey your word. Cause us to seek your kingdom first. Lord, deepen our faith. Help us to believe and take away our unbelief. Help us to trust you completely, knowing and believing that our very lives are dependent on it. As we trust your steadfast love, Lord, may our hearts rejoice in your salvation. Lord, grow our faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.